up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Empire 161 Show. Believe it or not, we're back for season three. So let's go. Lisa, what's going on? How you feeling? We got some Yankees baseball on TV and everything. So Listen, today is like Christmas to me. It is the first day of spring training, baseball. It was a game on, t- well, first day it was on TV for me. Uh, I was having a great time until just now when um, Detroit went up and it's 8-7 in the bottom of the ninth. So I need the Yankees to get this together. They only have three more outs. Uh, but yeah, I'm feeling great today. I am so excited baseball's back on TV. It, it feels right. It feels great. All is well in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. I thought we weren't gonna have this, but we actually have it back so yes. super excited to talk about it thanks for joining us whether you're joining us on the facebook live stream if you're joining us on twitter if you're joining us on youtube if you're joining us on instagram or wherever you found your podcast spotify apple itunes thanks for joining us as always uh super appreciate all the support out there and we can't wait to to kick this thing off so before we jump into it though we do have a special guest joining us from another AL East team's podcast, Jay's on the Couch. We have Sean Doyle joining us. What is up, Sean? What's going on? Hello, hello. How are you doing? Thanks for having me back on. It's been, I think, about a year. Uh, things look a little different, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here and talk some Blue Jays-Yankees. Yeah, no, I was super excited to, to have you, man. I mean, you know, you guys had a pretty exciting offseason. We've had one one way or the other. We'll get into it in a minute, but... <laughs> There was an off season, so we'll we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll we'll get into chatting with you, uh, Lisa. You wanna you wanna kick off that uh, quick interview? Because I know you got a lot to ask Sean right here. Me and Sean had a little I, time to talk last year, but you're back. You're meeting him for the first time. That's I right. know. I'm very excited. So just welcome, Sean. So uh, since last time I joined the show, so that that's one thing that looks very different. Uh, there's. So, um, yeah, I figured it would be a little fun for folks to get to know you, anybody that uh, is just tuning in and didn't meet you last year. So I have a few questions for you. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. All right. My first question is, have you been a lifelong Blue Jays fan? I actually have. Uh, Growing up where I grew up, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, professional sports, um, and so I would pick up the newspaper, actually steal the neighbors who was just down the hall, flip it quickly to the to the Blue Jays section back in the days. I think I would maybe been six, six years old or so and following George Bell, Jesse Barfield, Lloyd Mosby, like, you know what I mean? Like, how could you not fall in love with the Blue Jays uh, with those guys? So, yeah, I, I, ever since I can remember, um, first baseball cap was a Blue Jays cap. I think I had a, one of those little cheap gloves with a little Blue Jays logo on it as well. Um, always have been and probably always will be. All right. I love that. I love dedication. Ed and I are also lifelong fans of the Yankees. Um, so my next question, you you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but without telling us, uh, where are you from then? Like what, what made you become a Blue Jays fan? Are you Canadian? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yep. Yep. I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia ish around the, the area of Halifax, Nova Scotia, which is on the very far east coast of Canada. Um, so, you know, about a two hour, two hour and a half uh, flight to Toronto. Um, so it's been a challenge to try and thank God the internet was invented and could bring <laughs> baseball into my home. Um, because unlike 
probably a lot of the people following your podcast. Uh, I grew up without the internet, and um, it was a struggle. The struggle was real to find uh, Blue Jays baseball. <laughs> Growing up in like Boston Red Sox territory um, is not is not enjoyable. Um, no, so, I can't imagine that. <laughs> um, and at the time, it was uh, Boston and Montreal were the two kind of big uh, teams here down in Nova Scotia, and then and then the Yankees kind of in and around third. Um, and it took a while for Toronto to grab hold uh, down here, but in 1992 and 93 changed that. All right, back to back World Series, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my next question is, did you play baseball growing up? And if so, what positions have you played? Um, I did, um, off and on. Uh, growing up, we didn't have a whole lot of money for sports. So um, I did off and on. And I was, uh, second base was my my favorite, um, absolute favorite. I don't know why. I just fell in love with it. And because uh, usually that's where you tend to stick somebody who can't really use the glove um so maybe that's why <laughs> i was there <laughs> um but yeah and I, I never tried pitching i tried it once and i said no i can't do this so uh, it was more of a second base outfield kind of uh you know reserve bench guy but listen if anybody needed water i could get that no problem <laughs> <laughs> all right all right <laughs> i like the honesty i appreciate that uh, my next question is, who was your favorite ball player growing up and who is your favorite now? Oh, that's an easy one. Carlos Delgado. Um, easy, easy, easy. Didn't come along until I was probably just starting around high school. Um, before that, it was George Bell. Uh, but Carlos Delgado came up, um, I believe, in 93, the beginning of 93 season or 94, and went on fire, eight home runs in April, and I fell in love, um, and then they sent him back down uh, after that. But his swing from the left side, I'm a lefty as well. Um, there is, there's nothing prettier than Carlos Delgado's swing, in my mind. Um, now, as an adult, I, I grew to appreciate Roy Halladay, of course, um, pitching in Toronto in the early 2000s. Um, I think right now, though, my my favorite, I have this curse that I come with that every time I choose a favorite player, um, they they go all like Chuck Knobloch and they're, they're <laughs> oh, yeah. just terrible, right? Um, it started with Aaron Hill, uh, then Brett Laurie. Um, and it, where are these guys now, right? Um, Orlando <laughs> Hudson even. Um, so I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say, but uh, right now it's Bo Bichette. I just love everything that he brings to the to the game uh, itself. He plays with such uh, intensity and and he's skilled beyond. Um, so, yeah, I would say Delgado, Halliday, and now Bo Bichette. Okay, I'm Bo Bichette question. almost helped me win my fantasy league last year. <laughs> yeah, and I can't get him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to push back on that lefty swing comment. I'm a lefty uh, batter as well, but I, I personally think Tino Martinez had the most beautiful swing uh, as a lefty. Yeah, you would say that, wouldn't you? Yeah. We were <laughs> actually you know what? He might be a close second. <laughs> uh, well, uh, maybe a third because John Olerud also had a, a beautiful swing as well. Mm -hmm. I was actually talking about this with a couple of friends at the bar Friday night, and I don't know how the heck it's funny that this came up out of nowhere because we, no, we didn't even discuss this beforehand. <laughs> no. And I couldn't believe to, like, I hate to admit it, but I got to go with Griffey. 
Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr.'s swing was like, I mean, it's like prototype. And yeah. I and I don't like him. I've never liked him. I respect him. I don't. I'm, listen, ninety-five AL, ALDS, him rounding third and scoring and, and knocking out the Yankees was heartbreaking. It's still like it angers me to even talk about it right now. Like I'm I'm gonna change the subject because I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> but like it was, I was fifteen years old. It was the first time I saw them in the playoffs. So that was like a huge dagger for me. And my favorite player was Don Mattingly growing up. So that was his one shot in the playoffs, and it, it, it killed me. It, it crushes me, but no, his swing is, I mean, come on, it's, it's pretty damn beautiful. Yeah, yeah I think you win on that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but no, I, Atina was one of my favorite players during during the dynasty era as well, so I can't argue with that. It's funny yeah. you brought up Jesse Barfield, because as Yankee fans, we're also pretty familiar with uh, Jesse Barfield as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, do that a rocket for an arm. In the oh. field. Man, yeah. That was a cannon. I'm sorry, let's go ahead. All right, I have two more questions for you. What is your fondest memory involving baseball? Oh man, I got my wow. money on something he's going to say. Ooh. So the first ever game I actually saw live, uh, I went with uh, my wife's family. Actually, took me, um, and her grandfather, um, his company, he 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 ran the the electric work for the Sky Dome. Um, when it was being built. So there was a little kind of a personal connection to the building itself. Um, and so the uh, the first game we went to, I believe it was a walk-off win. And it was just something that, you know, any day you go to a ballpark, you're going to see something um, that you haven't seen before, particularly if it's your first game ever. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so I think that was pretty special. But I think um, probably more than that, is I don't even recall the day, but when my son was quite young, just sitting down, lying on the couch together, and he's asking me, and I'm explaining the game of baseball, and I think that uh, there's nothing better than that, where you can share something that you're passionate about with somebody, um, with one of your children. So I think that would probably be my my favorite right there. Oh, I love that one. That was awesome, actually. That's that's, that's a great well, one. Well done. I had my money on Joe Carter, but I wasn't sure. Now you've totally – I get why you would even put that ahead of Joe Carter, so it's fine. Well, actually, Joe Carter's home run gave me stitches. <laughs> I, <laughs> you have to somebody in Florida or something like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I might leave the show. <laughs> no, we, uh, we were just watching in the living room, and I happened to jump, and I smashed the ceiling light and cut my hand open and – totally worth it <laughs> for sure absolutely i i've told i'm pretty sure i've told the story on this when tino hit the grand slam in game one of the 98 world series i was watching at home i almost say i didn't get any injuries but i almost went through the glass coffee table oh. at my house I, I literally jumped off the couch and like went up and i was caught as i was like gonna land on it too and i was like oh whoa, okay yeah <laughs> i keep going so yeah, if you buy a glass us. coffee table, you deserve to have it broken. Right? <laughs> like, it's going to happen. That's what I'm telling him. I try to explain that to my father because I almost broke it twice. It was then, <laughs> and it was when the Rangers beat the Devils in 94 in the, in the conference final. So, in the 90s, <laughs> almost broke that damn table twice. Surprised. I don't even know what happened to it. <laughs> I should have broke it on the way out. <laughs> All right, last question for you. All right. What is your favorite baseball movie? Ooh. You know, my wife and I were kind of arguing just today at lunch uh, about Field of Dreams. 
and um, she hates it. Incredibly boring. And listening to her describe it to my son, who's never seen it, and it it, it actually, you know, listening to her, it does sound like a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I don't know what it is. It's going to sound really bad. Um, I know I can't even remember the name of it, but the Tom Selleck movie where he goes to Japan. Um, Mr. Baseball. Yes. 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 I I don't know why. It's not a great movie. It's uh, Tom Selleck <laughs> is terrible. Um, but I just I love that movie, and I can't for the life of me, you know. And then of course Moneyball. Um, but I'm a huge Brad Pitt fan, so okay. Um, literally, I would watch him, you know, recite the alphabet. So I would too, but probably for different reasons. No, I bet you not. <laughs> Ask my wife; she'll tell you. <laughs> yes, that's great. <laughs> Uh, we got a couple of quick comments we want to get to right here. Uh, Steve Faraci, obviously, you know, head of Pop Culture Pros, chiming in. What's up, Steve? How's it going? Hey, Steve. You actually put me in touch with Sean, so that's how, you know, we we, we met here. And Hanser, uh, the person who plays softball and is a big Yankees fan watching the show. Thanks, Hanser. Saying Toronto is the team to beat. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. We're going to get into that in a little while when we talk about, uh, talk some Blue Jays in their offseason. And, um, Pretty sure, Hanser, this is – that better be for us, Hanser. It better not be for the Blue Jays to go get the two pitches from Oakland. Because that would just be obscene. We're going to have to have a talk at the softball field next week. So we'll get into that. Uh, all right, so why don't we go ahead and there are some big changes coming to uh, Major League Baseball down the uh, pipeline because with the CBA came some big stuff. And the first immediate one to jump out here is the installation of the Universal DH. Yes. So if you haven't been paying attention, the big change coming is there's no more pitchers hitting in the National League. There is a DH in both leagues now. So I guess we can kind of go a quick round uh, table about this. Lisa, what do you think? What are your feelings on the National League ditching pitchers hitting now? Uh, I think it's about time. I think the National League should have made that decision a long time ago. The only pitcher that it's ever been exciting for me to watch hit has been Shohei Otani because he's just phenomenal. Um, so I kind of hope he could still. Well, it does. I kind of hope he could still opt in like he did last year for the Yankees, even though it didn't work well for him as a pitcher. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think it makes more sense, you know. Um, when you, when you see the American League pictures when they play games in National League fields and you see their swings, you know, my my 11-year-old nephew swings way better than them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of embarrassing. And most of them just lay down a bun or they just sit there with the bat on their shoulders, standing upright. And it's just, you know, a waste of a batter. So um, I think this will limit the amount of injuries that pitchers potentially can get when they're running the bases. And I'm all for it. Yeah, great. Sean, what, what are your thoughts on the universal DH? Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, <clears throat> one thing I like about it is, you know, if I'm a team who spent $25, $30 million on a pitcher, if Garrett Cole, for example, mm -hmm. I don't want him risking any more injury than possible. You know, as soon as he's done pitching, wrap him in bubble wrap, 
<laughs> you know, don't let anybody near him. I'm not, I don't want him going up there and, you know, potentially getting beamed in the head or, or running the bases or whatever. So that's the first thing I like about it. Um, but the other thing too, is that it allows more players to kind of continue their career a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think of guys like, you know, like Edwin Encarnacion, for example, um, he maybe could have had a couple of extra years, um, things like that, guys like that, that I think, um, if there was a, 15 other teams that he could play for, you know, his career may have lasted a little bit longer. Um, so I do like that, uh, that element of it. And, and, and I agree, it's just a waste watching a pitcher step into that batter's box. It's as at least it's, it's embarrassing. I agree. It is, especially with the American, they're an interleague play with the, uh, like Lisa had mentioned, like the American league pitchers have to do it. They're not used to doing this at all. A lot of major league pitchers in general, whether AL or NL, they're not swinging the bat since like college. So then it's like, oh, by the way, here, go hit major league pitch and good luck with that. And that's why we get the results that we get. And it's it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I And I know there's been a lot of National League fans because, I mean, we both cheer for American League teams. So we grew up with the DH and stuff like that, and it's more natural to us. There's been a couple of National League fans I know that are like, oh, what about double switching? And it takes the strategy out of the game and this and that. It doesn't – I've always appreciated that. I'm not going to lie. Like, there is something to be said for it. But I also don't think it's worth the payoff. Like, how many times are we going to see these these embarrassing at-bats in the first couple of innings just to get one double switch or one thing? Like, a lot of times relievers are coming in. They're never going to hit anyway because mm -hmm. they're going to put them in. They're going to take them out before that at-bat comes. And it, that's it. So it doesn't really matter. Um, and you're right, Sean, though. There's, it does last. Some older players will be that can still hit will be able to prolong their careers, and I don't mind seeing that. Plus, I want to see professional at-bats versus just guys hoping to barely make contact or, like Lisa mentioned, just stand there, take three pitches because they're being told not to take the bat off their shoulders because they don't want them to get hurt. So that one double switch is just not worth it. It's not worth all the, the crap that you got to put up with just to get to that. I do the other thing it does, too, is that there, when you look at how the DH spot is being used – Mm -hmm. um these days in baseball it's not just a, a designated uh spot the order for one mm -hmm. one person right they yeah. they tend to cycle through and all of that stuff keeping guys fresher for 162 games and all of that so now you know the national league can benefit from that as well um so i think there's the, that that strategy argument i i appreciate it um because i felt like it was a smarter version of of the game uh mm -hmm. well at least for you know that one inning that it happens yeah. um <laughs> but <clears throat> i think there's strategy in how you use that dh spot now um and you know like the, no matter what major league baseball does no matter what rule they change the the teams and the players are gonna figure out you know you can ban the shift if you want but they're gonna figure out a different way and and kind of use that strategic approach that that we love so much they'll just use it in a different way anyway um so uh, you know i like the versatility that it can bring to to a roster i guess yeah it's a, well, no as i said we do we just traded luke voigt who would have been that would have essentially been an everyday spot for him because he's a dh with a bat like i've joked about on this show pretty much he's not a very good first baseman and you're right, you can cycle in guys because we know guys are going to take this rest days all over the place. For, for every team does it now. It's not just like, you know, one team because Yankee fans will rip the Yankees for resting their players too much, but I'm sure every fan base is going through it. But you're right, you can have Stanton in one day, you can have Judge in another day. 
you know, whoever it is, you can cycle through. And you're right, it, it, it'll, you get to see them more often and get to see them play in one way or another. So that's, it, it, I think it's a lot, there's a lot of things to be beneficial about it. Lisa, go ahead. No, I was just going to make a comment on what Sean said regarding um, the shift too, but I, I can wait until we go talk about that. Well, no, that's a perfect segue because the thing is that's actually not going to be until next season. So the Universal DH is going to be in immediately. Next season is when more of the big changes come in, and we can kick it off with that, the banning of the shift. I mean, you know, Lisa, go ahead. What, what are your thoughts on banning the actual shift in baseball instead of your argument of, oh, just go the other way stuff? So, I mean – my thought is, listen, you get paid a lot of money. Figure out how to hit the ball the other way. Because when somebody does that, like, it's beautiful. And you can get a base hit even if you just bunt the other way. Like, you're a guaranteed base hit if you hit the other way, likely going to get a double if you hit it hard. Um, but then my thing is, uh, to Sean's point, I was listening as I was watching the game today, they mentioned that uh, if um, they set limits on the defensive shift, it just means that there has to be two players on both sides of uh, second base. And they did a shift today during the game where that was basically what it was. The shortstop was like right next to second base on one side, second baseman right on second base on the other. So it eliminates line drives up the middle, but there's still that big gap between third base and, and shortstop. So um, I don't know. I mean, it. I felt like they were abusing it too much um, while it was happening. So I'm glad there's discussions around either getting rid of or limiting it because um, I don't know, it did take away from the fun of the game a lot because you would see a guy, you know, hit the ball and the the, the defensive guy would just be like, bah! you know, like he didn't even have to move. The exciting thing was when a player dove for the ball or they made a great stop to it and then threw the ball to first, you know, like, I think about the famous Jeter throw. Like, would we ever see that again if they if they keep doing the shift? Probably not. It's not going to be as exciting. Or even like the double play moves that people make um, that are just so fun to watch. I want to see. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of the athleticism with guys, not the strategy. Strategy is is you know it's smart, obviously, but it's not as fun to watch. That's fair. Those are all very fair points. I can definitely echo a lot of that. Uh, Sean, what do you think about uh, the shift ban or limiting? Yeah, I mean, I at first I was a, a fan of it, actually, you know, especially because I believe it was Joe Madden and the Rays who were, like, shifting, and everybody was like, what are they doing? <laughs> oh, my God, this is revolutionary. And now, uh, you know, as Lisa said, it's just everybody's doing it, and it's to the point where it, it is too much. I agree. Um, what I do like about it, though, is that there is that chance that um, <clears throat> that they're giving you a free base hit. Right. You know, we talk sometimes we talk about the bunt and whether or not, you know, you're going to give the team another out. Well, cool. You know, I'll take a free out. Sure. But I'll also take a free hit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's there is that side of it, too, um, that I guess the problem is, is not many people can actually do that, you know, and, and on command. And I don't know, like. I don't know where I stand on the, well, you know, just learn to do it um, yeah. because, you know, it's really tough if somebody's throwing you a 95 mile an hour fastball just to say, you know, just put it over there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, so, easier said uh, than done. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I maybe, you know, I, I guess I, I'd like to see some limits on it. Um, but again, I'm not really a fan of, of the uh, major league baseball putting its fingers into the game of baseball too much anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's you know I'll, that's my bias that I bring to this discussion. <laughs> so I guess at first I was pretty much against it 
like go the other way punt do something like cut the crap you know like we've seen wade boggs do it you know over time maddenly great hitters line to line hitters and stuff like that just do that but i don't know over time maybe it's because of someone who's i mean my being my favorite sport is baseball though but i also very much into uh, basketball the nba and the nfl and nhl and all those professional leagues, though, they've had to institute some sort of like an illegal defense over time as the game has gone on. So I would just the more I thought about it, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe this is just baseball's turn. Like it's it's caught up. The, the you know the analytics people have put together these spray charts and stuff, and now you're taking you're limiting the offense too much. And the also analytics department comes up with the solution of being, oh, we'll just put it in the seats to swing for the fences, and they can't catch that. Which we know is strikeouts have piled up, batting averages have went in the toilet. So it's kind of like, all right, well, you can take the base hit, but also you're also being told to swing for the fences. So which is it? Like as a hitter, you're like, all right, what the hell? What, what do I do? Because it's almost like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So I kind of would like to see a limit. I don't want to see the shift banned completely. Like, hey, that's it. There's you're never allowed to shift on anyone again. Some sort of limitation. Maybe you get to do it on a certain amount of times a game, or maybe you can't just do the extreme shift where there's someone in short right field or short left field and kind of like uh, Lisa how Michael K draws up the martini glass, you know, triangle defense that's there. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that. There's some version where you only can do certain amounts. Something like that. To see it completely disappear, I think would be, I would feel it would be a little cheap. Where well, that, you did. kind of find an easy way out. Yeah, he did say something about there has to be two people on each side of second base and the outfielders uh, can't be on the dirt. Okay. All right, so there, there's something there. I know I've also seen times where, again, the Rays, I know, Sean, you mentioned Joe Madden, and I'm sure he's taken it to the Angels too, where they've actually had four outfielders at times. Again, some powers like Joey Gallo is mm-hmm. one of the hitters I've seen that done to. And – that's something that maybe you should limit that as well. Like maybe you shouldn't have that option. Just, Hey, you gotta, you can't have that guy just go switch his glove out and go run to the outfield and, and do that. I, I wasn't listening to the telecast earlier. I was kind of running around. So, but I know there's been some talks of like the limits and it hasn't been like finalized exactly what the details of this defensive shifting is going to be, but I'm interested to see what that is. Um, but then they also to this argument, is Joe Madden, when he was asked years ago, why do you shift on Robinson Cano? And his answer was, we don't want him to put it in the seats. We want him to hit singles. We just don't want him to try to hit doubles and home runs. So we'll live with a single. We just think he's too dangerous to go ahead and to do that. And I think that's part of the element, too, is that there are managers who will give you the base hit. They don't care. They'll mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, base is loaded or something like running in scoring position. No, but base is empty. Go ahead. Single, single all away. Go ahead. That's fine. Single walk, we'll take it. We just don't want you to put your A swing on it. And that's what they're trying to prevent. So I think it's a lot more complicated than people think. It's just like, oh, you're being stubborn. You just want to hit for power. Not so easy whatsoever. And um, they may be able to accomplish that by taking, you know, just drawing the line. Infielders need to stay on the infield and outfielders mm-hmm. need to stay on the outfield. Or, um, you know, if you're going to bring uh, somebody over, to short right field, then it should mm-hmm. just be your second baseman, right? And then you give up that hole. You think that maybe there's a balance to be struck so that, you know, if you're okay with giving Robinson Cano a single up the middle or, or whatever have you, then cool. Mm-hmm. We'll play our second baseman to the right field and then, and then 
That's there's it. a hole for him there, right? Like, I, there, I agree. I think there is a solution to be found. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't know how they're going to get there when it's a, a, a ban the shift is the is where they're starting from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking limits is, is probably what it has to be. Um, yeah. Another change that's coming next season, though, is the pitch clock, which from what I understand, I, I know they tried it in the minor leagues and it seems to be successful, so that's why we're going to be getting it next season. And from what I've read, there's a lot of fans and commentators and stuff who are just kind of like, you don't really notice it, honestly. Once you, it's there, it does pick up the pace of play, but you don't ever really – it's not like you're staring at the clock like a shot clock in the NBA where you're like, oh, no, hurry, throw the ball. Like, it's it, it's going to go off or something like that. Uh, thoughts on the pitch clock? Did, how, how long is it going to be, did they say? I haven't seen a timer on it just yet. I thought it was 20 seconds or 24 seconds. Might be, so it might be close to a shot clock. So this is in between pitches? Yeah, like enough no the walking around and taking your time and then rubbing up the ball and adjusting your sleeve and all this other stuff. Okay, while that's all said and done, what about all the players in the batter's box that are readjusting their gloves, stepping out to like shift their crotch or like batting all, gloves and everything? Yeah, and like, like all these things that they got to spit and then they have to touch the bat three times and hit the top. Like that's yeah. not the pitcher's fault if the pitcher can't pitch because the batter's not in the batter's box. I don't see how you're going to be able to control that. Um, I also know that they have that like in between innings that I don't know if this two or three minute thing that like when I'm at a live game, I can see that clock and that clock always runs down and they're still not, they still didn't start the inning yet. So I don't know. I mean, con conceptually, I guess I understand that they want to move the game along a little bit. Baseball is a very uh, lengthy sport to watch mm -hmm. uh, per game, but um I don't know. I don't see how they'll be able to enforce that unless it's just like it's automatic that like like what happens when the pitch clock runs down? Does does the batter automatically get like an extra ball in his favor or something? Is there a balk if there's a guy on base like or does he just get fined? So I think I need a little <laughs> bit more like I need more details about how they're going to enforce it and what the consequences are. But mm -hmm. I still don't see how they'd be able to if it, if it's still like I think you need to focus more on the batters. Well, that, there actually is a rule that was passed in the previous CBA where batters are not you're supposed and once you take a swing and every then you're allowed to step out of the box. But if they're, you're taking the taking a ball, it was just a pitch that wasn't offered at, you're supposed to not be able to leave the box. And it's never enforced. Never enforced. I think nope. the first year it came in, it was like, oh, let's see what happens. And it still wasn't then. It was like, oh, well, you got until May to adjust. Then it was like June. And then it just disappeared and no one ever talked about it then. Yeah, I think that's the, the thing that keeps coming up in my head when you want to talk about the time that it takes. Like, And, and Lisa has a great point. Like, well, What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you know, if, if Max Scherzer's on the mound and he wants to take 25 seconds instead of 24, what are you going to do? Yeah. Really? At the end of the yeah. day, are you going to walk up there? Does he get a base? Does it whatever? You know, that needs to be sorted out. Um, but my concern really, and, and listen, I, I, we past few years, Blue Jays fans have had to sit through Rafael Dolis um, and his hour and a half between pitches. <laughs> um, we've had, and going back even further, Jason Fraser um, would take, was the human rain delay. So, we, <laughs> you know, like I get it. Um, I, I don't, I'm not one of the people who thinks that baseball is too long. What I don't like, though, is when a player takes too long. Right. Um, 
so that to me, and I get why they do it, you know, mess with timing. If the team's on a momentum or whatever, you're getting shelled and you just need a breath. Um, I get it. Um, but my real concern has to do with um, pitchers health, you know, like it, it, they're, they're out there and exerting so much force and effort on their, their bodies um, in a way that wasn't meant to happen to the human body. So yeah. I worry about injuries, um, and then the only way to know for sure is um, a longitudinal study, right? Like you know, something years from now, you know. And I still think, like, when you look at working pitchers hard, right? The, I'm not the Blue Jays rode David Price in 19, in 2015. I believe they they took years off of his career because they were at him every start, and then and then when it came to playoff time, it was like. You're pitching because you're the best we have. Um, and so I think there is something, the wear and tear that the body takes. I think, you know, mm -hmm. to expect them to just hurry up and then throw another 98 mile an hour fastball, that's, I don't know. I think you're asking for trouble. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though. I don't think, I'm also someone who's like, I don't think baseball goes on too long. I think you're just, there's part of the beauty of the game is that there is no clock, right? You can't, like in football, you can't just run the clock out. Or, you know, when you're up by a lot or and everything, you have to earn every single out. Like, you're going to be bottom of the ninth, you're down 10 with two outs. You technically, obviously, it's highly unlikely, but you technically have a chance, right? You could rally, you could do something, and things can get a little crazy. So, instituting all these clocks, I think, is could be problematic, though, like you're saying. Like, if, if a pitcher and a catcher can't get on the same page, then that, that could lead to some problems because that's usually what it is. Like, they're going through signs. Yeah. It's the strategy there, and that's what I think the average fan doesn't usually pay attention to is that there is a silent action to baseball. There's a lot going on. It's a huge chess game, and to rush that up I think could be problematic. But, I mean, I, I guess we'll see. I mean, maybe there'll be more free meetings, free game meetings to go over this and to kind of hammer this whole thing through so they can speed up. Uh, we do got a comment here from – Raul Velasquez Jr. Raul. Raul's a Mets fan, actually, and he does check out our show and supports the show. So thanks, Raul, for that. Uh, I like the pitch clock rule in 2023. 15 seconds with no runners on base. 20 seconds with runners on base. I mean, that is going to be something that's – I, mean, I don't know. I'm curious to see how much it actually speeds up. Like, so I want to see the time. Yeah, I also have another question. When does it start? Like, once the pitcher receives the ball back from the catcher is when it starts? Yeah, I'm going to guess that that's when it is. That once he gets the ball back, then you're on the clock. 15 seconds is like an eye blink. <laughs> like, that's going to yeah. go by so quickly. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah, uh, Sean, I like your point about health, too. Like, like your body. Uh, it, to rush into that next pitch, especially with, like, the different changes in weather that you experience over the course of a baseball season, like, in the beginning of the year and then at the end of the year, if you're in the playoffs and it's November, like, I could just see that that can be a lot more injuries happening. So curious to see in the long term how that's affected. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, another thing that's coming is so larger bases are going to be instituted a little bit, which I'm kind of like, all right, at first base, I can kind of see that in a way. because I, I do see that. There are a lot of injuries at first base where, you know, the pitcher is going to go with cover or the first base into cover. You get spiked. Injuries can happen there. Mm -hmm. But – I, I'm not sure how much this is really going to play a difference in anything, really, per se. I mean, this this just might be a rule just to change the rule. 
they were just saying first base will be larger. I can actually kind of understand that. Like in softball, we have a runner's back. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't mind. I know some like purists would lose their mind about it. Like, oh my God, like that's a softball thing. It's not a baseball thing. I, I can understand that for safety purposes. But larger bags all around just seems a little bit weird to me. Yeah, I, I tweeted out the other day when I heard that um, a picture um, because I think that Major League Baseball has a, a marketing issue in that they keep telling the world that their game is boring. Um, so in all honesty, I wouldn't be surprised if they, their suggestion for new bases were just pillows. You know, <laughs> four pillows around the diamond. And like, other than the injuries at first base, I see no possible reason to change the size of the base, unless it's that they're, you know, worried that their umpires are just getting too many calls wrong. You know, like maybe that's the only thing I can see, you know, Oh, now I can see the base that works. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but like, uh, I joke, of course, I just can't see a, 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 a positive reason for changing the bases. Yeah, it, it seems a little bit weird. Lisa, what do you think of the larger bases or their potential impact? Yeah, I mean, when I saw that as as one of the things that's going to be considered, I was like, uh, okay. Like, I, I don't understand the logic behind that um, at all. I think one of the things that's most impressive about, um, like, going back to the athleticism is, running that that 90 feet in between bases so sean you, you might not know this about me because we just met but i uh played for the yankees fantasy camp uh five years in a row uh their women's camp in tampa and we played on steinbrenner field and those bases are freaking far apart <laughs> i would i would need like an asthma inhaler in between and i was i was one of the most in shape people on my team and the youngest on my team for like four of the five years and i'd be like oh you know like so it, that alone is impressive like geez um so that's just you know it's going to take a few inches off of that and um maybe it'll help some slower player uh, you know i don't know like when i think of how fast brett gardner was like that that would make his you know his uh speed and agility that much more impressive looking so like for that alone it would be cool but that's i don't necessarily need that and like you said i don't think whatever it is an inch in diameter or whatever like i don't think that's really going to help the umpires anyway i think you know it's i don't see the benefit of that consideration maybe if they can explain it more i'll i would reconsider it but but these are the same people who continuously change the ball in which they you know the game is played right and Mm -hmm. and they don't even have consistent rules across the league for how you store those balls you know you have some Mm -hmm. teams putting them in humidors you have some teams not um and then you know we're we remember was it maybe two three years ago everybody was getting blisters yep Mm -hmm. like you know this is the these are the same people who are changing the baseball just because they're trying to create more offense i assume is the only solution because again the game is boring you know um so i don't you know i'm not surprised that they would suggest bases i just don't see any logical reason for it yeah and the roles also agreeing with us here uh i don't mind bigger bases but the issues of double base uh first base like in softball to avoid injuries uh definitely with you on that one um and i also would say the other big thing that's coming is we're getting another step closer to robo lumps per se. Um, thoughts on an automatic 
computer-generated strike zone versus the human element behind the flight. I mean, I'm pers- I'll start off with it. I- I'm personally fine with getting the calls right. <laughs> I mean, that's just what it is. Like when people yeah. when we institute a replay, oh, that's going to slow the game down. It's going to drag the game along. Get the calls right. Like, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I do understand there's a human element to, uh, oh, it's just a little bit off the plate. You know, like you got, like, I hate the fact that every umpire has their own strikes. That throws me, listen, it's letters to knees over the plate, imaginary box, throw it in there. It's not up for you to interpret what you think the strike zone is. And I think it's because umpires have gotten worse. They've gotten dramatically worse. Yeah, over the last couple of years, when you see the replay, it's like brutal. And I get it; they have you know like less than a second to make a decision, and but they were they were calling things that were like two, three inches off the plate, like disgustingly out of the zone. Um, and then so certain, <laughs> and then like for certain players, you know, like listen, Aaron Judge is six seven, whatever he is, and you're calling something for him that would be like. You know, it's a completely different fit for somebody that's shorter, like Brett Gardner. Like, come on, you have to adjust the strike zone for how tall the player is. Yeah. Um, and and some of the umpires, they just inconsistent. One game they're calling it great, the next game that they're in that they're the home play umpire, they're not. Like, uh, and I don't know. I think that part's, you know, like you could debate that because of a whole bunch of things. Um, but I, what I would like to see is like, I want to do, do I'm get fined. Like I know players complain, um, uh, teams complain about them and then certain umps can't go into the playoffs based on how many, you know, like their ratings and whatnot. But like, how about they get fined too for really messing up a lot? Cause I feel like last year alone, they blew so many calls, um, in game. I know Ed and I talked about this a lot last year, just like from all the games we went to, um, it was kind of embarrassing some of the calls they made that were like really egregious out of the zone calls. So um, I feel like I'm I'm more for automated. I still feel like you need somebody back there just in case too, because you know technology glitches out <laughs> all the time. So you don't want to fully rely on it. Um, but there's a small part of me that's like, eh, let's just get the umpires to do a better job. Okay. You know, especially because. How how is the automated thing gonna call the play at home? Like I, I get if it's just it's just balls and strikes we're talking about, but like you still need somebody to call that play at the plate too. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that if if the umpires a had a consistent strike zone, and it was the same, like the strike zone, not your strike zone or his strike zone, and you right. know when you know the the old school announcers are always like, oh, you just got to learn his strike zone and you got to work play within it. No, no, you don't. There's a strike zone. It exists. You know, like that's that. So I think that's the first thing they got to do. But this is what happens when you have. Um, we can make a change, but that doesn't mean you should, right? And Major League Baseball is all about change. They love changing their game, um, but that doesn't mean they should. And I don't know that necessarily just throwing everything out and going electronic is the answer. I think right. let's let's start, uh, you know, as you guys are saying, let's start with consistency first. Um, my real issue isn't necessarily that an umpire gets a call wrong because they are human beings. You know, that, that's happen. not my issue. My issue is that when they get a call wrong, they know they get a call wrong and they enjoy mm-hmm. the, the, you know, it's my call, you know, I'll toss you if, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's no accountability 
in that sense. And I, I, like, you know, Lisa, you're getting it with the fines, right? Like that's my issue with umpires. It's the, the accountability, the oversight needs to be better, whatever, whatever. And I know they have their own union too. So there's negotiations going on um, with them as well. And I'm sure there are issues that we don't hear about because we never hear about their contract negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe this is a big topic of, of debate between them and Major League Baseball. Uh, but I think that like just get it right. And I think you don't replace everybody to get it right. I think you just make them get it right. No, no, agreed, agreed. Um, so I think the other things that we can we can talk about, well, the, big, the other next big one we can talk about here before there's some smaller ones that are coming, uh, is the new playoff format. There is now 12 teams in the playoffs. Uh, the one and done wild card game is no more. We have uh, three wild card teams and they will be going ahead and facing off in a best of three where the higher seeded team has home field advantage all three games. And the tiebreakers for you're tied at 162 games, they're just going to go NFL style and go to like statistics, head to head, division record, things like that to decide who it is. So there will be no more one uh, game 163. Um, thoughts on the new playoff format and what were your thoughts on the old one? Because we just got that. And that didn't last too long before we had to up it again. And I think we probably all had the feeling after 2020 when the 60-game season happened and they played around with the format that this was going to be coming. Like they were going to expand it again. And that's and you know it is what it is. But uh, Sean, what do you what are your thoughts on the on the new player format? Uh, well, you're you know coming from the perspective of a guy whose team missed the playoffs last year by one game. Um, you know, that, uh, I think that matters that you finish the AL is just so tough, you know, you know, it's not going to be any different this year. Um, you know, the positions may change, of course, wink, wink, but, um, (laughs) we'll see, we'll see. (laughs) Um, but you finish 20 games over 500 and you miss the playoffs. Like that's absolutely insane. Um, so, uh, you know, make it a little bit bigger. Sure. Okay. Cool. Um, certainly not having half the league um, make the, the playoffs that you, you can't, you can't, right? You can't have a watered down version. You know, you get your 500 team going on to win the World Series like the mm-hmm. Cardinals did. I forget what year that was. Um, it's, yeah, it feels like forever ago. But, yeah. Um, so I, I like that. Um, I do not. I cannot stand the the one game play, and that is ridiculous. Um, I always felt like the the wild card series was just there, just because. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of a foregone conclusion, more or less. There was some exceptions, of course, but um, so I think the the changes. I'm okay with it. Um, what I would love to see. <laughs> Part of me wants to see realignment, um, you know, just to, because you, you have one division in all of sports that is the most div- difficult division anywhere. And, and of course, that's the AL East, right? And that, that I would love to see that <coughs> shaken up. I don't know how. Um, you know, if you look geographically, Toronto really should be in the central division. Um, but Hold on, no, no, you guys aren't getting out of the AL East. <laughs> that's, that's not <laughs> No, no, no! Don't, don't try to go to the central because we we know you guys would definitely be in it probably like most years. Then that division is ridiculous. But I'm sorry. No, and you're right. You're right. Um, but I, I 
I don't know what the, the the right answer is, but I'm glad to see that they're going with more teams, um, even if it is just a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lisa. Um, yeah, I think that you know, game one sixty three, every team plays three game series, right? So like to have that one game playoff to determine whether you can get into the divisional series, like I just think that's a tough look, um, and you know, the Yankees you know, have, have certainly just missed the playoffs or, you know, like gotten in that wild card game and lost it because of like one bad play in one inning. And, you know, that's tough. It, it, when any team that that's in that one game playoff game, that's just tough to face. You have to have three game series. It has to be the best of in order to determine who should move on. So I think this just makes sense for like what you do throughout the entire year. Um, and I'm I'm glad that they're they're changing it to do this. And like you said, Sean, I'm really happy that um, more teams will be invited into it too. I think that's pretty exciting too. That'll be ways for you know like folks whose teams just miss it regularly get to be like have more excitement, have to extend their seasons, is to see their teams play in these games as well. And and who knows, you know, because it's now a three game series, either of the teams could win, and that's pretty cool too. So. Yeah, we'll and I, I do. I I appreciate. I mean, I honestly enjoyed. I think for the most part, I did enjoy the one game wild card. I did because for me, it was instant game seven, and I I not saying it was fair because it's definitely not fair for baseball. Baseball is based on series, and I get that. But I think it's more in a case of it was just it did, did it bring excitement? Yeah, yes. I mean, we were, the Yankees have been involved in their share of wild card games and your heart's like about to rip through your chest most of the game for every single pitch because you're like it's all on the line in this one game and i think that's what they were going for they wanted it to be must see tv because it was highly unusual and it wasn't baseball like it was very very unlike it and it almost brought like an nfl element to baseball where there was just one and done but i do agree that the best of three is more of a natural fit for baseball you're getting more markets involved, which is what ultimately every sport wants to do. But I agree with Sean. Sean, you made a great point, is that you don't want it to be the NHL or the NBA where you literally have half the league in it. Because then you're watering it down, and it's like, all right, the regular season only means so much. And I think that you – I am a little concerned that they're going to keep going with this and keep expanding, but I think you might have found the right element here. And I think the – giving the higher seeded team all three home games is the right thing to do because the, the wild card team should be at every disadvantage that you have. You want the best teams to advance ultimately, and you want it to be difficult. You want them to go through their top three in their rotation. If they have to go through three games, go on a road to beat that team. By the time they get to the ALDS, they're taxed. They're starting their fourth pitcher most likely because they have to go right into it. There's really no off times and stuff. And you also have the other teams that have the buys, the top two seeds, as they're only getting a handful, not even a handful of days off. You're getting three days off, and then it's like three or four days off, and then it's right into it. Because you also, for baseball-wise, you don't want them sitting around too long. Mm -hmm. Because then that's also not the everyday feel that baseball has. So I think they hopefully have struck the right chord in the three-game set that's here. And the other thing I think too that like you wouldn't have an off season like the Blue Jays have had perhaps if uh, you don't have to win as many games to get into the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know you don't have to because 
the regular season, it's a grind and you need to build mm-hmm. your team in a certain way with depth, whereas a postseason team, you don't. It, yeah. It's not about depth. It's about your best, right? And it's, so it's a different game, sure. Um, but I think there's incentive to build your roster if there are fewer teams that make it into the postseason. And so some teams could say, you know what, if I can get in being a 500 team, I don't need to sign a Carlos Correa or, or whoever, right? I can just coast in. So yeah. I, I, I do like that part of it. And, he, and he, this is another thing that could be coming too. And Raul makes a good point because this is the last thing I wanted to shout out before we, we talk about a couple of other things. Um, there might be the end of the AL and the NL at some point and just go east west like the other you know even the, the nfl has uh nfc and nfc a afc and nfc but i mean honestly it's pretty much the same thing really but and they all play each other because the other thing that's coming is they're also not going to have interleague play be as special every team is going to face every team every season starting next year so i i agree i do wonder and the universal dh and all this other stuff seems like it is heading in that direction where you're going to have just major league baseball and that's it and um the division heavy schedule is not going to be there you're not going to face the yankees and blue jays are not going to face 19 times anymore they'll face 16 times or you know 13 times or whatever it is um thoughts on where that might be i mean you are for or against the maybe abolishing of the leagues that that we have currently i think it's a great idea the the but the only thing I don't like is that the 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 American versus national leagues I think there's a historical thing there that that to me I think I'd like to see them keep it at the very least if you're going to do an east west just call it American and national just mm-hmm. to keep the recognition that they were two separate leagues um, you know but that's a small thing that's just and that's only my personal preference so yeah. um, but I do like the just separate them into the two and and uh, then you could get you know the, New York and Toronto don't play each other as often, but then you know you don't have that AL East issue where you know it's got you've got to win if you have to win 150 games to get into the postseason, you know so that personally, I would go for that. Uh-huh. Lisa. I think it's a great idea. Um, I, I'm like you, Sean, in terms of like, there's certain things about baseball that I don't want to see change too dramatically. And AL and NL have like really big connotations to the fans, you know? So I, I, I like that, that if it is East and West, just call them American and National League. I think that would be a great idea. Um, that's like in football, isn't it? The AFC and the NFC? Yeah. Yeah. So just do that. Um, and then the other thing is if you play folks from, so, uh, I'll go with the Yankees. If the Yankees play fo- more folks from the national league, uh, one, it gives us more places to go visit <laughs> and also gives us opportunities to see outstanding players in the other league. Right. And, and you only get, you, you only get to see them maybe once a year, depending on what team it is. And you have to hope that the player is playing in the game that day. Right. So yeah. Um, so I, I think it's more opportunities for folks to see the dynamic players from all the leagues, um, place, you know, going to visit different places in the country. Like it, it definitely promotes travel and going to other cities, going to Canada more, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it would be, uh, nice to do that as long as they keep it American and nationally. 
Oh, for sure. And the, a couple of other quick things I'll just throw out there before we, we head uh, move on is so the All-Star game could be decided by a home run derby after nine innings and no extra innings so they don't tax it and everything. So that would be very much uh, – Sean, I actually don't think we, we talked about this. Are you a hockey fan as well? I am not. You're not. Okay, it's, it's funny. Not. So I'm the American. I'm the American guy. It was the it was the hockey fan, but the game. It's not. That's that's interesting. Um, but that seems seems way like to buff sugar. that stereotype. I love it. <laughs> no, I, I was wondering. I'm like, I think we did talk about this. I thought it was it was awesome that it's like now nah, baseball's my sports. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh wow, Frachi actually has a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so they have a shootout after after a brief overtime. It was a five minute overtime, and then they have that. So it kind of seems a reminisce of that. And the shootout in hockey, I think, is actually extremely exciting. Purists hate it. For the All Star game, I actually think it's kind of fun if it does happen. And they go with the nine innings, and instead of taxing everyone and taxing pitchers, because you know managers, well, when they're watching All Star games, they're like, oh god, don't put my pitcher in, please, just let him sit. Just let him rest. Like they don't want them in, so this could be a way to save some arms. I'm, I dig it. I'm, I don't want it in a regular season. I, obviously, no, that would be completely insane. But are you, are we for or against the home run derby ending an all star game? That is an exhibition now. It, it has no bearing on anything. I mean, if it's just if one guy representing each each team, mm-hmm. okay, sure. Um, because really, let's be real, like. People watch the home run derby. Yeah, I love you it. You know, and the game it's itself. Yeah, it's maybe yeah. sometimes it's a it's a it's a second place uh, draw mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. weekend. So uh, you know, I, I get why they would want to do that. Um, and if it's just one, but if it goes into rounds and rounds, like the the home run derby lasts an awful long time. And I got to say, like living here in Nova Scotia, where I'm an hour ahead of you guys. So if if the All Star Game is on the West Coast. I'm done. I, I'm yeah. in bed before the thing even starts. Like that's mm-hmm. how late it is, right? So, if it takes forever, I'm not, you know. But if it's one player versus one player, and you have to choose right on the spot, and and all of that stuff, and they build it up that way, okay, sure, it could be fun. Um, but as long as it doesn't end in a tie, like Bud Seelig did, that's all. No, and anything but that. Anything but that. Jesus, that was that was embarrassing. Uh, Lisa, what do you what do you think? I mean, I think it could be fun. Yeah, I agree with Sean. I don't want it to go on forever. My only gripe with the uh, home run derby is that sometimes it's just like you know, it's only like the first round, and <laughs> it's like two hours long in the first round. I'm like, come on, we, I want to get to the end. I want to get to the final two. Um, but at the same time, that you know, for the All Star game, managers are worried about their pitchers not playing. Aren't we worried about? Our home run hitters getting hurt too, you know. So I feel like the same thing can happen. Like, what if Shohei Otani is one of the representatives and he has back spasms after that because he hit 40 home runs in one round? I don't know. I'm exaggerating big time, obviously. But, you know, like, what if that happens? Mike Trout, what if that happens to them and then they can't play um, for a couple months? Yeah. So it's also that to worry about. But, but yeah, it would be kind of cool to, especially because the game itself. I I I watch the game just for fun, but I really tune into the home run derby. So. Oh, we also usually have a pool. 
that's we have who a pool we going. So we also go in like in the first bucks. round. So like yeah. whatever. <laughs> so Sean, we also pick the names out of a hat. So yeah, it's random. Anyone. So it's totally random, and they just start yeah, cheering for somebody you have no, no business cheering for at all, and they're your favorite player for that night. No, that I, makes I it actually beat Alonzo last year. He so did. Yankees fan cheering for you know Mets home run hitter there. I was like, I don't care, whatever, let's go. Give me some money, my friend. That's it. Um, yeah, a couple other quick changes though is there's going to be apparently advertisements on the on the helmets, and there's going to be on the sleeves. Whatever. I mean, no. I, I I'm gonna. T- I know. I know we were gonna disagree on this. Personally, again, I'm someone who watches the NBA. I don't really. You know, you don't see it as much. The first 10 games you see it and then you don't care. We also all have the Nike swoosh, pretty large Nike swoosh on our on our chest now. I'm also, I like Nike, so it doesn't bother me as much. So, Sean, Sean what are your, I know Lisa's thoughts. So we're going to get to his thing. <laughs> so, Sean, what are your thoughts on the advertisements and also the Nike swoosh that some people lost their minds about last season? Yeah, I, I don't know. The the Nike switch kind of surprised me a little bit when I first saw it. I guess I wasn't paying attention or something. And the, the oh, that's new. Okay, um, I don't know. I think the it's a money grab. Yes. Uh, you know, that's the only way I can see it. Um, I I. I just don't like it. I don't, you know, like, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays brought to you by Honda just doesn't have the <laughs> same, you know, or the big H on the side of it. Like, I don't know. I I don't like it. I think that the one thing that I did like about Major League Baseball is that it is its own entity and that the teams are their own entity. And, and um, if you start, like, the pinstripes, as much as I hate the New York Yankees and their pinstripes, <laughs> <laughs> sullying the pinstripes with an ad is that's sacrilegious and i can't um you know i I can't i can't get on board with that okay i i think i'm more in the sense of seeing how crazy it gets i'm mad you're making me wait no 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 i'm I'm, I'm just dropping in quick before i turn because i know i can see you're like (laughs) jumping at the bit um no it's just that i just don't want it to be like i don't i hate soccer but european soccer has like nike and then it's like, oh, the Yankees on the sleeve. Like, no, I'm not watching the corporate Yankee team. I mean, Nike team play who have a Yankees ad on their side. So, Lisa, go have at it because I, I know you got a lot to say about this one. Okay, Sean took my biggest thing. The Yankees uniform is iconic. They don't even have their names on the back of the uniforms. So now you're going to put freaking uh, Han Cook tires and, and Jersey Mike subs like, that just sounds ridiculous to me. And then the players who play in Target Field, are they going to have a Target on their uniform? Like, this, it, it's bad enough that some of the fields are named like that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, um, I'm all over the cor- corporate grabs. Those corporations do not need more money, okay? If we're going to put anything on a uniform, I would personally rather, and I'm getting on a soapbox right now, I don't care. I would rather they advertise for, like, local businesses, um, uh, businesses that are run by women and BIPOC folks, like, how about we give them some money? Because all these corporations are run by old white men. No offense, guys. Um, so like, they don't need that money. They don't need the money. And the owners already, like, they don't need that either. It's already bad enough that every time I walk into Yankee Stadium, there's, like, your mind is blown by all the freaking advertisements there. Geico, Delta, you know, whatever, all over the place. Um, it's just too, it, it's... 
like aesthetically just like too overwhelming to look at um if you're like you know a, a lay person who just like goes to a game for the first time ever i'm able to tune it out sure because i'm a major baseball fan and i just want to watch the game able to tune it out but to see it on the uniforms i don't know that's just gonna take away from uniforms and as somebody who you know like i i like to be mindful of what i'm wearing what if the corporate logo doesn't match your uniform too? That's going to look silly as well. I mean, come on. Because, you know, all the teams except for the Yankees have like 5,000 uniforms. That's Toronto throwback. You know, like all, all the throwback uniforms that all the teams have. Cool. What, what's the team that like their their throwback is like yellow and brown? And then what if Padres. their corporate – Yes. What, what if their corporate sponsor is like pink and purple? Oh, that's going to look horrible. Or when they do the city special ones, like when when the, the you know, Dodgers like, did it last year, we talked yeah. about it when they had the blue pants and the blue jersey, and it looked Oof. like a softball uniform. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I just and then when I think about you know like like I'm not buying a jersey with logos on it. I'm sorry. Um, you'll never catch me wearing a jersey with logos on it. Ever. Only throwbacks for you moving forward. Always, always. <laughs> I think that I don't know. I, I have a whole lot of opinions about it. I think it's horrible um, mm. and dumb. That the, the corporations have so many. They already advertise on bases. They advertise on the green screen behind the batters. They advertise all over the fields. Like you could see it all the time. Commercials, everything. They don't need to be on the uniforms. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I was up in arms about it with the NBA, and then it kind of just tuned it out. And I think that's like you were saying, though. At times you become numb to it, and that's when yeah, you start but, caring. But the about NBA it. is a tank top and shorts. We're talking about full blown, you know, like. I get it. I, I'm not. Listen, I I totally understand. I have a feeling though, a lot of it, like the Nike swoosh. I, again, I like the Nike logo as a fan yeah, of there, so it doesn't. Yeah, it's a, it's fine, whatever. And you kind of just stop seeing it after a while, and then you know the new era logo on the side of the hat, same type of thing. I think you just become numb to it. They're just mm -hmm. hoping that you become numb to it, and you just ignore it and move on uh because from what i understand it's going to be on the batting helmets and it's also going to be on the sleeve like kind of like around like there just on the side so if luke voice wearing a uniform you're not even going to be able to see the logo anyway because he rolls the sleeves up because he wants exactly. everybody to see his guns okay and sean <laughs> i'm on here for multiple reasons one of them is that i am a heterosexual female so i'm just going to say this for all of the fans who are attracted to attracted to baseball players uniforms like i am whether you're male or female I don't want to see anything distracting my John Carlin Stantham <laughs> from how he already looks in his uniform because he's perfect. I don't want to see a pizza logo on him. I don't want to see like models, nothing. I just need to see him in his uniform. Thank you. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> they could paint it on like you did on the Sports Illustrated cover. Well, there you go. You could do that. <laughs> With a big yellow Nikon sign on. <laughs> All right, so I guess let's go ahead and, and jump into uh, some talk. Sean, you're here. Your team's the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. And Yankee fans, you should be paying attention to this too because we're going to we always see a heck of a lot of the Toronto Blue Jays. And they've been the up-and-coming team in the division for a while, yeah. and they have arrived. I mean, we barely edged them out last year to secure that wild card spot. And we went into Fenway, and some of us drove up there and went to that game and – enjoyed the somewhat of experience to go into the situation, but then was like, oh, Jesus Christ, like at the end. Um, Sean, thoughts, excitement overall about your Toronto Blue Jays? Are you guys, uh, you know, are you going to take this division? Because I'm seeing a lot of people are saying you're the favorites now. 
Yeah, man. It's, it's go- first of all, super exciting. You know, like last year was a good season because you knew they were, they were young and up and coming and, and they had the Blue Jays have this energy that a lot of teams do not have. Um, they have a, a clubhouse that is, literally enjoys each other's company. Um, you know, they brought out the the home run jackets jacket, um, yeah. with <laughs> with little things from, <laughs> and there was no advertising, which was awesome. Um, but um, you know, and like even when Robbie Ray, one of his last games, he had a, a, a amazing game, flirted with a no hitter, I believe, and they threw the jacket on him, and you know, the, and they're always dancing. So they're a fun team to watch, mm-hmm. you know, just in general. But they're so so talented, and the team that um, started the last twenty twenty one season is not the same team that finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they addressed their bullpen. Trading for Jose Barrios was huge. Um, so <clears throat> they were already in a better spot than they were in, um, starting last season. And now, of course, the the Kevin Gaussman, the uh, trade for Matt Chapman. Um, and, you know, and we keep hearing they're not done. Um, we keep hearing that they were in on just about everybody, which, you know, there was a time when, as a Blue Jays fan, you would never believe that. You know, yeah. okay, we're just being used to drive up the price for the Yankees. Um Right, but we're getting used all the time for that. So yeah, yeah, um, it's it's such a it's a strange time to be a baseball fan because it's like the things are backwards now. Um, but they've got the financial ability, they've got uh, the talent that they can use to augment the team should they need to mid season. Um, so the expectations are incredibly high, um, probably higher than they've been for a long time. Um, in Toronto, and and rightfully so, because like I said, they were 20 games above 500 last year. Um, and you know, when you look across the division, there hasn't been a whole lot of progress um, from among the 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 other teams, the New Yorks, the Boston's, uh, the Rays. Um, you know, I guess you can count Corey Kluber as an addition. Uh, I'm sure you guys would uh, disagree with that, but um, you know, so. If you're a Blue Jays fan, you know you have to be liking where things are, and then you'll go to Fangraphs, and I, I think I've got it here. Um, yeah, 91% making the playoffs. Uh, where is it? Winning the division at 46%. I mean, we haven't seen numbers like that in a long time. So, of course, you still have to play the game, but if you're, they're looking like one of the better teams in all of baseball. So. I don't think it's a stretch, and it's not to me being a homer. I think they they have a real shot at this division. No, I, I agree. I mean, if you had to look at it right now on paper, you know, the Blue Jays would be considered one of the favorites. We both know that all of us know that the Rays just don't seem to go away. The names don't even matter. They just seem to find a way through their analytics department. They stretch the dollar better than anyone I've ever seen in maybe any form of anything. It's astonishing what they do. I have a lot of respect for the organization themselves. The Yankees and, and uh, Rays have started to have a heated rivalry there, so I can start to actually dis- – for a long time, I was just kind of like, I can't hate – they're still the freaking Devil Rays. Like, how can I actually hate them? <laughs> you know, like, whatever. But now it's like, no, you've got my attention. Now now you have the attention. We're throwing at each other and stuff like that. This fight's happening. There's actually, like, this like now. Welcome to the ALS. You finally officially arrived. You're, you're here. Um, but, yeah, with the – and the Red Sox will probably be around somewhere, but I don't see them being on a revel of the uh, Rays, Blue Jays. I'll even take the Yankees as currently constituted. There, I would still put them ahead of the Red Sox and the Orioles. They're the ones who have been banished now to 
for to suck for quite some time until they get their act together. Um, but with the Blue Jays, though, they have a young, exciting core. You know, with Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know, mm-hmm. mentioned Bo Bichette earlier. Matt Chapman, you know, still he can pick it at third. Uh, the offense, I know, took a hit last year, but we'll see now that he's got protection in a lineup that's that's really loaded there. Um, yeah, and he he hit a home run today, and uh, you know his hip looks pretty good, um, mm-hmm. or at least it did in that swing. Um, yeah. He says he's he's fully healthy, um, feeling like he did a few years ago when um, he put up you know thirty home runs or whatever it was. Um, and a move to the AL East for him is going to be huge. He's not hitting in Oakland anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure he's thankful for that. So, yeah. Um, it's it's I've been screaming for Matt Chapman since probably the season ended, um, and I'm just beyond excited that they they managed to finally pull it off because i think it was going to happen anyway um but it took a little longer than i was comfortable with but what i don't want is you guys getting jose ramirez i i saw that out there and i i saw some some action on twitter from you regarding that that would be well i mean whatever i i would like jose ramirez on our team uh being that his contract is awfully affordable and he's a monster um but that would just be that would be that would have been disgusting you went in through him at second base, Chapman, Bobachet. And what's your what's your take on Vlad, Guerrero, Vlad Guerrero at first base? Now, like you get to see him more than we do. So yeah, he's uh he's actually far better than uh, people give him credit for. Um, okay. You know, Bobachet is uh, a work in progress on defense, and I think Vladdy saved him a number of errors uh, last year just from picking it out of the dirt. So the athleticism that he has uh, to play third, uh, which didn't go so well. Um, he brought over to first base, and in all honesty, I think there's you know there's um, there's a, a lot of uh, focus on his bat, obviously, um, but I don't think enough people are paying attention to that glove. Um, it's come, it's going to improve, and I think you know he's going to be quite a, a solid defender. And he's still young, right? He's got a lot of time to to grow into that position, um, given that it was his first first full year in that position. So. Um, I think it's underrated um, just how good he is over there with the glove. Okay. Um, and George Springer, thoughts on uh, is, is he going to stay healthy this year? I mean, well, um, I, I have contributed to the uh, George Springer bubble wrap fund. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, you know, if I have to sacrifice a chicken or whatever I need to do um, to keep him healthy, you know, like we saw in such limited playing time how impactful he can be, um, you know, with the glove and the bat. So if he if he can be healthy, man, um, this this team is just that much more dangerous. No, they are. I mean, that lineup is, is pretty darn loaded. I mean, mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of Yankee fans who will be like, oh, you know, Yanks had their problems on offense last year, but I, I do see some bounce backs coming. But, I mean, the, the Blue Jays will be right there, you know, w- with the best offenses in baseball. Um, but do you, do you feel overall the defense has been improved enough? Because that was the bugaboo last season. Yeah, yeah, and I think Matt Chapman – is a huge addition in that regard, not only because, you know, Santiago Espinal did an admirable job last year. Um, He put up, I think it was five outs above average, which is pretty solid. Um, And, you know, he chipped in with the bat um, as well. So, you know, this isn't a knock on him, but I mean, Matt Chapman is one of the top 
defenders um, in all of baseball. So um, you're going to get better. But the, what really is interesting is that Chapman's numbers going toward first base are actually pretty good. And Bo Bichette's numbers going toward third base are actually pretty terrible. Um, so, you know, I think having Matt Chapman at third will only also help uh, Bo Bichette at short as well. Um, so I think that, you know, and whatever Marcus Semien was able to do to impart on Bo last season, Matt Chapman has already, you know, his first day in camp went up to uh, Luis Rivera and said, I'll help out with the young guys. What do you need me to do? That kind of thing. And I think if he can, you know, help Bo and further uh, his defense, I think it's going to be, um, you know, kind of a, an added bonus as well. Um, outfield, man. I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to, like, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., um, you know, he needs Google Maps um, <laughs> every time the ball's hit to the outfield. Um, and, and I feel bad for the guy, right, because he has gotten better. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez is not exactly uh, a gold glover himself, and Randall Grichuk right now is a bench guy uh, who can fill in at center field if needed. Um, but there's nobody in the outfield who's going to challenge, you know, for a gold glove or anything like that. Um mm-hmm. But overall, I think, yeah, their defense has gotten better. Um, and we have to remember, too, that part of the problem last year was they had Kevin Biggio at third base for the beginning of the season, and that was a disaster. Uh, so him going back to second base, his natural position, of course, you know, assuming there is no trade for Jose Ramirez. Um, <laughs> I can no. see the look on your face now. No. Yeah. Um, so, but... I think that'll help as well. And, of course, Danny Jansen behind the dish is a, is a, is a solid defensive uh, catcher as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, what ha- what the hell happened to Kevin Biggio, man? Like, offensively, though. Like, I, I also had him on my fantasy team. Yes, I had yeah. Biggio and Bichette on my fantasy team. One worked out. The other one got dropped midseason. <laughs> what is going on with him? And you probably held on to him a little bit too long, actually. Oh, for sure. Because I kept waiting for it. I'm like, no, I'm going to trade him, and the guy's going to steal like 50 bases or something like that. Yeah. And I really regret it. So, no, I joked uh, on our podcast. I joked that uh, Kevin Biggio actually hurt his neck just by watching all the balls go past him at third base. <laughs> um, but he did have a he had a neck injury um, that he was trying to you know battle through. He had he was playing at a position. Um, you know, he was trying to be the good teammate and doing what the team needed him to do. And I think it, it, uh, he suffered for it. Um, you know, and it happens to some guys that, you know, they, they try go out of position and it really messes with them. Um, it messes with their bat. Right. And all of that. So, um, I think the, the big thing with Kevin Biggio, he's got to be healthy and he, uh, he, he'll be playing second base his, his normal position. Um, and if I were you, I'd be picking him up. Um, in any fantasy league that measures on base percentage because he's not going to give you an average. He'll hit about 15 or so home runs, uh, still maybe 15 bases, but that on-base percentage will always be there. Um, and I think, in all honesty, if the Blue Jays are going to have success, they kind of need him, and I would put him down in that nine hole, use that on-base percentage, get anything else as gravy, and, um, and away you go, and I think he'll be just fine. But you're right. I think there's a lot of people who kind of just scratched their head last year, like, what's going on with this guy? Yeah, I expected him to, to blow up. I mean, and it, it just totally didn't happen. Uh, and I guess, we, Lisa, we've seen some of that too with Clayber Torres, him playing out of position mm-hmm. the last two seasons, and then his offensive numbers went in the toilet as well. And yeah. now we're moving him back to second base, and hopefully he finds that finds the bat again. Um, Lisa, you got any, any questions regarding the Blue Jays? 
No, I just um, I'm I'm really happy that you mentioned the home run jacket and whatnot because one of the things I love is seeing like like fun and energy in dugouts. And I feel like a lot of teams have been missing that. Like even for a while, the Yankees missed that. Like once Nick Swisher left the team, there wasn't fun for a while. So um, I I really appreciate when teams do that stuff. Even when the Red Sox, yes, the Red Sox do the that they're the shopping cart one. Yeah, the laundry. I think that's hilarious. I think that's so hilarious. I, I hate when I over. see it. I hate when I see it when they play the Yankees, but like I just think it 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 brings the fun element. And I think that when you play as somebody who grew up playing baseball and softball, like that's the biggest element about it that I love. Like that the fun, the camaraderie, the team, you know, like yeah, you want to win games, but you want to have fun too. Um, so I love when I see teams do those, you know, those those cute little things. Um and I I used to think Vlad Guerrero Sr. was a freaking beast. Like, it, the way he swung the bat, I was like, how does your back not break? You know, like, he swung it just as hard as Gary Sheffield used to swing it, and it would, like, blow my mind. So to see his son being just as successful, like, I'm, I, I like watching I like watching the younger generation when their parents were in the league and, you know, watching them. Um, I think it's really cool just to see, do they live up to it? Do they exceed expectations, you know? Um and when they're just as good, if not better, uh, it's just really cool because it's generational. And that's another way that you keep people watching baseball, you know, over and over for so many years. So, um, yeah, there are there are uh, some fun things that I like to observe from the Blue Jays. I do not like when they win. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, there's definitely some players that stand out to me. And um, it's exciting to watch that team because I like their young energy for sure. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, like, they're making millions and millions of dollars, but they're playing a kid's game, you know, and if you if you can't have fun playing the game, then you don't belong there, you know, because there are hundreds, if not thousands of guys in the minor leagues who have given up everything, and they'll never get to where you are. So, you know, step aside, if you're not having fun, let somebody else do it, because you're playing a game for a living. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think we also got to remember, too, is that, I mean, they are 20-something-year-old, you know, adults playing the game. I mean, they are pretty young young men that are playing the game, so you want them to be, you know, exuberant, have fun and energy and stuff like that. And like Lisa Dior mentioned, too, about the generational players, I mean, the Blue Jays are like the epitome of that. Yeah. Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero and, you know, Biggio. Kevin, Kevin Biggio. You know, it's it's kind of nuts that they're all on one team too, and they're yeah. they're all doing it. So it's got to be pretty cool, you know, for some of their dads. I'm sure they have attended games and things like that, and you kind of like see them in the stands, or you know, in the owners' boxes or whatever. That they'll they'll be there. I'm sure they're pretty damn good seats um, to go to go watch the, their kids play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it is it is pretty cool to to see that kind of thing though. Um, well, actually, Raul's got a comment here. Oh, the Toronto Blue Jays will contend for the AL East in the division and at least the playoff spot. Yeah, I think that's – we might have most of the division make it, everyone but the Orioles make it. I would not be shocked <laughs> if that happens. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Tampa Bay, it, it's funny because, they, you know, on paper, they haven't really done a whole lot to mm-hmm. to kind of build on or maintain whatever success they've had. Um, but – they're always right there um, and they're pitching. They, you know, they have pitching depth that nobody else has um, yeah. and they use it better than anybody else. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's, there's that fear and, and of, 
man, when they when they were rumored to be in on Freddie Freeman, shocked. I got scared. <laughs> I was nervous honest. when you guys were in were involved in it because I'm like, listen, en- enough with this crap. Like we, it has to draw a line at, at some point. I was, and then it, the Yankees were were supposedly involved, and then I was just like, listen, just go to the Dodgers. Just don't go to the damn Rays or the Jays or the Red Sox. Just stay out of the division now, and I'll be happy. <laughs> it's it's such a such a weird thing, uh, weird feeling here with this. Um, all right, so I guess let's go ahead and, and uh, talk a little bit about the Yankees offseason so far, what, what we've had so far. Uh, Lisa, I know you've uh, researched some some numbers here on some of the guys we've got, but I think the guy we want to start off with, though, since we have Sean here, is Josh Donaldson. But we traded for from the Minnesota Twins. That's when the Yankees picked up Isaiah Kainer-Falefra, which will be IKF. I'm not going to keep on tongue-tying myself like that and keep on going with it. <laughs> Uh, but we also unloaded Gary Sanchez, just in case you missed that one. Uh, and unfortunately, Gio Urshela, who was actually very beloved and also has connections with the Blue Jays as well. Um, we've known Donaldson from afar, mainly in his Blue Jays days. Um, you want to give us any kind of an, an insight or maybe you know what you saw from Donaldson on a day-in and day-out basis? I know he hasn't known with you guys in a couple of years, but that's the chunk of his career. Yeah, no, he was, uh, when he came over, like trading uh, to get a third baseman from Oakland and um, giving them. Sounds you know, familiar. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and, and then, you know, really not missing any of the pieces you gave up. So stealing Josh Donaldson in, in 2014, November, or whatever it was, it was huge. And he came over at work ethic, um, you know, set a great example. Um, he was somebody who would. Uh, play hard uh, very intense and and all of that stuff and 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 blue jays fans canadian fans we you know that's the that's the guy you want you know that that worker um and then the, the relationship kind of soured between him and the front office um where they just you know it was over a calf injury they couldn't agree on who was right in the treatment and who wasn't right in that treatment. Um, and then, and then, so it was, he had to go, you know, it was his time anyway, and they were rebuilding at that time anyway. Um, but you know what, uh, you're going to get, uh, Josh Donaldson's going to give you everything he has. Um, and I think, you know, we, we, I, I can't recall if it was the beginning of the episode or even before we went on air, we were talking about people who can play in New York and people who just can't. Mm-hmm. And I think Josh Donaldson, you're going to find is one person that absolutely can. Um, he loves the spotlight. He loves the, uh, the, the being the, the guy in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you'll, you'll, you know, Yankee fans will love that part. Um, I just don't know how much you're going to get, uh, to see him. Uh, I don't know if he can stay healthy for a whole season. If he can, then, then you guys, uh, just, you, you won yourself a trade, um, just by him alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then of course adding the IKF, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go with your take your lead on that one. Um, I think that's an added bonus too. So I think you're gonna get a, a good, decent player in Josh Donaldson. He's not you know the player he was six years ago, um, but you know if he's healthy, he'll help you win for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Lisa, any numbers on Josh Donaldson and IKF to to run by here? Yes, I have their career stats um, and some uh, fun facts about them. So Josh Donaldson is third baseman, and he bats and throws righty. Do you know what his nickname is? 
because I didn't. Is it the Rainmaker? The Bringer of Rain. Bringer of Rain. Rain. So uh, we'll we'll see how that plays out in uh, because the Yankees love some good nicknames. Uh, He's going to be wearing number twenty-eight, if I'm not mistaken, and his career Mm -hmm. stats are. He's had 4,379 at-bats, 739 runs, uh, 1,179 hits, I learned how to pronounce his name. It's Isaiah Kiner Falefa. And uh, right now, Booney is calling him Kiner. And he's like, I'm not even going to try. He's like, I'm going to come up with a nickname. But Aaron Boone tends to put just the Y at the end. So you can't call him Kiney because that just doesn't sound right. So I, say, I think he's Kiney. Uh, no, 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 please. Uh, he does have a nickname. It's it, As of right now, it's Izzy, I guess, for Isaiah. Um, he's a shortstop. He bats and throws righty. He was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. And he is of Hawaiian, Samoan, and Japanese descent, which I think is a really cool fun fact. Uh, and he wears number 12 as of right now. His career stats are 1,404 at-bats, uh, 168 runs, 372 homers. I'm sorry, hits, hits. <laughs> uh, 16 home runs, 118 RBIs, 84 walks, 233 strikeouts, 38 stolen bases. His average is 265. His on-base percentage is 316. His OPS is 670, and his slugging average is 354. Um, so we'll see how they both play out for the team. Um, I also, you know, just continue to wonder what all of these decisions mean for uh, one of my favorites these days, DJ LeMahieu. Um, I feel like he's just going to become the overall utility guy, which I think is a little bit of a waste because he's so talented. Um, so I hope they find a way to use him consistently because he's brought a lot to the team. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm sad that Gio Urshela, he was one of my faves last year for sure. He brought a lot of energy, stepped up when the Yankees needed him. Gary Sanchez, bye. You know, like uh, I, I got over that uh, very quickly last year. The Kraken left the building. Um you know, I, I, I wish him well on the Twins, but I'm glad he's not in the pinstripes anymore or in our pinstripes anymore. Um, and Luke Voigt, you know, I mean, we all love the Luke chance. Yeah, I couldn't – Ed knows I had a very big problem with how many buttons he left on button on his jersey. I thought that was <laughs> ridiculous. Um, there's a couple of players in the league that do that a little bit too much. But, um, yeah, I, I, I saw the writing on the wall for Luke Voigt. Um by the way, do you all know his full name? Luke Yes, that's another fun fact. Lucas? Nope. Yeah, Lucas? Nope. <laughs> I don't know. Lewis Linwood Voigt. Wow. Okay. That changes things. I, that does yeah, change. does it? <laughs> I knew Ed would find that kind of interesting. <laughs> wow. I, I, I wasn't. I just kind of ran with Lucas. I, I assumed it. Yeah. But, um. <laughs> All right, uh, Sean, I know you got to get going, so we'll let, we'll let you head out. Uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Give us some in-depth on a team that we're going to see a heck of a lot of this season. Uh, yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon during the season, man. We'll, once there's a big Yankees-Blue Jays series, perhaps, down the line. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. I have a feeling we're going to have that, you know. 
So I, maybe we'll, we'll get together and have you back for that one. Absolutely. That, that, that would be awesome. And, and I'll have you both on uh, the Jays from the Couch podcast as well coming up uh, because we, I, it's going to be a fun season. So um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. And thank you both for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Lisa, it was nice meeting you. Um, and Ed, it was good seeing you again. Yeah, same here, man. And let me know. We'll, we'll chat offline and uh, we'll, get, we'll come on Jays on the Couch. We'll jump on there. Right? Absolutely. All right. Take it easy. All right. Take care, guys. All right, so yeah, we'll get into some. Let's dive in more to Yankees. We got some overall talk and stuff. Um, I know there's been a lot of fans that are kind of like killing them on Twitter, uh, regarding the moves that they've made. They don't make any sense, and and this and that, especially regarding the IKF and Donaldson trade. Um, listen to me. The overall sense seems like they feel like the approach that the Yanks have had for the last couple of seasons, getting a bunch of you know, sluggers who are going to strike out a bunch and just hit bombs and then we'll get hard-throwing pitchers and that's pretty much we'll hope for the best. It hasn't worked out. The defense has been suspect for a couple of years now. It's progressively getting worse. It has gotten worse. Um, and the strikeouts have piled up, but the home runs have have not and the, the wins have not. So I think they decided to go ahead and go into a slightly different direction. And the players that they brought in are guys who don't strike out as much. IKF is not a big strikeout guy. Josh Donaldson's not a big strikeout guy. And, you know, like Anthony Rizzo, bringing him back is not a big strikeout guy, even though you did add Jolie Gallo last year and he's back. So I think that's something that's there. And defense is being stressed. I mean, we could take a look at the, the, the trade we're, you know, mainly focused on, is they're going to get better defensively at shortstop with IKF versus Clay mm-hmm. Torres. Um, and I'm going to say Gio's a great third baseman, but I honestly do think Josh Donaldson's probably isn't much of a drop-off over there. He's no slouch, but the, the question is going to be, can he stay on the field? I think okay. that's, the, that's the question, but I think he'll, he's a better hitter than Gio Urshela. I think Gio Urshela mm-hmm. you know, topped out a couple of years ago where he's never going to reach those numbers again. And it, it does suck to lose his, you know, his heart because he did, he, when made that catch diving into the third base dugout and everything like that. And that was fantastic. And he's a very likable guy, the how happy fellow thing and stuff. But Josh Donaldson is going to bring something else to the clubhouse. Like Sean had mentioned, he's a guy who likes the spotlight. I think he's going to give the Yankees an edge because the Yankees have been called a soft team though for a couple of years now. That's been a knock and it's been going around yeah. that they're kind of soft. So yeah. this is the guy that isn't, he's a hard nosed dude, man. When I hear that a guy likes the spotlight, though, I instantly think about A-Rod, and I'm like, I don't want that kind of energy mm-hmm. again. Um, you know, I, I think there's a couple of guys that like the spotlight. I, I, I do think Garrett Cole loves the spotlight. You know, he loves being the guy that you put out there in the big games. Um, you know, I feel like there's a couple other guys that, that uh, enjoy, I think, Aaron Judge uh, likes it in a different kind of way. You know, like he likes the yeah. pressure. Um, the pressure games. So, um, yeah, I don't want that guy that's going to, like, take things over the way Alex Rodriguez desperately tried to do for years. <laughs> and you know how I feel about him, so, of course, I'm going, like, extra hard on that. But, um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see We'll see what he brings to the table. Um, I, I, I always get excited about, like, you know, guys joining the team and seeing what they bring because energy needs to be shaken up, you know, I think on a fairly consistent basis, not crazy, but just like added to it. I think yeah. we always need to add little pieces in 
Um, and, you know, I also want to remind the Yankees, like we have, we, we've had over the years, one of the best farm systems ever, right? Like continue to utilize those guys too and build them up. I, I know we saw a couple of the minor leaguers playing. Anthony Volpe was on the field for a couple innings. Um, Oswaldo blanking on his last name right now. Peraza. What was it? Uh, Oswaldo Peraza. He's Peraza. the other shortstop. Yeah. I guess it, whoever it was, he hit a grand slam during the oh, game. Oh, about Oswaldo Cabrera. Sorry. That's Cabrera. A, that's a Cabrera. It was Cabrera, yeah. Oswaldo Cabrera hit a grand slam during the game today. That put the Yankees over. Uh, unfortunately, they ended up losing the game. But, like, they were they were losing, and then he hit that grand slam. There's that energy that we need, right? Like, just um, watching the guys gel is, is what's exciting to me about um, preseason and then seeing how that comes to life during the regular season. Um, you know, like those, those are some of the things that excite me about it. So we'll see how all of this comes to, um, comes to play out when, when it starts to matter. Yeah. And I just, I guess the, the criticism we could say with this off season, because a lot of, I, I mentioned before we went on the Yankees Twitter is a very crazy place to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it, it is. Um, and team, I'm sorry, fans calling the team cheap is kind of insane. It's I ridiculous. mean, they're not being cheap. If you want to talk about their allocation of funds, that could be another story because you had the situation with the Blue Jays, I'm mean, sorry, with the Twins, where you went ahead and you made the trade for Donaldson and IKF and you took on Donaldson's $50 million over the next two years. And then you, so you're spending money because they did increase payroll, obviously, and they're one of the top, they're going to be one of the top payrolls here. And that allowed the Twins, though, to go ahead and sign Carlos Correa with that same money that they saved from the Yankee salary. And I think that's the thing that drove a lot of fans over the edge. But then there's another other part of the fan base that doesn't want Carlos Correa anywhere near the Yankees because he was with the Astros and was a cheater in the whole cheating scandal. So I think it's very, it's very mixed. I will admit I'm one of the people who would – have been fine with giving that same contract to Carlos Correa. I had no problem with it. Listen, he's a talented he's a talented ball player. He could help the yeah. Yankees win. Short term contract would have been fine with me. So if the idea was to have Carlos Correa and Gio Urshela on the left side of the Yankees infield yeah, versus really Josh great. Donaldson and IKF, I probably would have went ahead and went with the Correa uh, Gio Urshela. Mm-hmm. As the Yankees just in general had, they wanted no part of Carlos Correa. I don't think it was a financial thing. I think maybe they just didn't want him on the team. It's kind of like, listen, that's not our kind of guy. We're going to go with these guys instead. And we'll see what happens and, and how that shakes out. Gary Sanchez moving on, that just needed to happen. I think it just needed to happen for the Yankees, and it needed to happen for Gary Sanchez. Just as some players just need a change of scenery. The Gio Rochelle thing kind of sucks, but you know, again, I think Donaldson can fill that can fill that need, and I do I do appreciate him getting the edge or giving the Yankees an edge this season. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little toughness, you know, to, to go along with you know some of the other guys that we have on the team. So I think there's value there in that. Um, yeah. Also, we we might end up getting Correa anyway because his contract, you know, the stipulations in his contract say that after every year he can kind of look around and see what's out there and. So you never know, you know, he might, he might, and, and everybody, I think the people who are mad that we didn't get him were mad because during the off season, he was posting pictures while in New York and wearing, you know, the Yankees colors. Like they thought it was like a subliminal message thing. And 
maybe he was trying to do that and the Yankees weren't biting, but like, I don't know. To to call the Yankees cheap is ridiculous. I mean, they historically spend like way more than everybody else. So people used to complain about that all the time. Like, come on. They're going to complain more or the other, man. They're going to complain more or the other. Raul's (laughs) dropping in too. The Yankees are not cheap with their payroll, but they're not allocating the money in the right places for the team. That I can. That is a fair criticism. I can. That's what I was saying with Josh Donaldson. If you're against Donaldson, and he turns out to be injury prone in the next two seasons, then you're right. It blows up in their face that part of it, and you should have took those funds and maybe allocated them elsewhere. Because call them cheap is short sighted and not really doing your homework. So I think yeah. you know you got to get off that and say maybe they're not spending it in the right places. Uh, and Roll, your your owner, welcome to the big market crew, because yeah. as yeah, Steve Cohen, Uncle Stevie, as the Met fans like to call him, you're with the big boys now. So yep. the whole little engine that could thing that that's over with. You're that's right over. there with, yeah, you're right there with the Red Sox and us and the Dodgers. Welcome to the crew, because now we're all welcome in the to big the market club. Exactly. Um, I'm sure he's excited about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the trading of Luke Voigt was a pretty obvious thing, I thought. I mean, we all saw that. As soon as they traded for Rizzo last year, you knew that was just a matter of time. Yeah. And they did get a young pitching prospect who is in single-A ball now, so we'll see how, how he ends up turning out. But I know he throws 102, so that's cool, but don't lower your arm, kid. Like, just just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, But the big thing that I wanted to touch on, though, before we wrap it up is shortstop position. Um, Them going ahead and not passing on Correa, passing on Story, you know, passing on Seager and Marcus Simeon. And Hal Steinbrenner had mentioned this just last week. They're all in on Anthony Volpe. Yeah. Like, that's it. This is all in. I mean, he's in. The, he's going to be in double A this season. I'm hoping he makes it through double and triple A kind of fast because my only concern is we do have Aaron Judge 30 years old. Stanton, 31 years old. Cole, around that same age. We don't need to waste two years of their prime waiting for Volpe. Like, that's kind of my only concern with that strategy. But they are all in, though. They're going to wait for this kid. IKF is a stopgap shortstop on the cheaper side. Hopefully he does the job for a year or two. And then it's going to be Anthony Volpe time. Uh, If not sooner. I mean, who knows? He could go ahead and and breeze through and get here faster. Knowing the Yankees, they're not going to rush him, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. They were talking about that at the game today. Um, I think like right before he joined in um, and they were saying the Yankees have actually three shortstop prospects in the pipeline. Um, yeah. And he, he, he being the one that they are like putting all of their stock in. So, um, and one of the things they were saying was, you know, I hope this isn't putting pressure on him, but I can't imagine the amount of pressure he feels knowing that like he's, already labeled the Yankee of the future, like the Derek Jeter of the future generations, that's a huge amount of pressure to put on somebody. So, you know, I hope it's not like Gary Sanchez, who also grew up with the Yankees and, you know, was supposed to be this amazing person. There were a couple other guys that, um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on this guy's name. He pitched a little bit today too. He was part of the the three Bs in in pitching. Um, oh. Dylan Batances. Benuelos. Benuelos, yes. He pitched yeah. today, and they were saying he was supposed to be, like, one of these, like, amazing guys. And the only one of the three Bs that had any success was Dylan Batances. And you don't really hear about him that much anymore either, unfortunately. So, 
Um, I really hope Volpe's able to, you know, kind of live up to those expectations, but that is an enormous amount of pressure in one of the the biggest market in in MLB. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see how he does. But yeah, it'll just to know that there's you know people like him out there, it's exciting. So Oh, listen, as Garrett Cole had said, it pressure is a privilege, right? So I mean, you know, then people don't get pressure who are not worthy of it or that you have the pressure on you because you have the talent. You have the tools and they, you know, there's a reason for it. So Right, but it can it can also trip you up because like if you have, you know, like a ten game bad game streak, Mm -hmm. then people are like, Oh, you know, the all the hype was for nothing and you know, I mean people are fickle, right? Fans of any sport, they're very fickle about their players. So um I just hope he's able to pull through the times where he will, of course, like everybody else, have bad games because baseball is a long season. It's not as quick and and done as football is. You don't play once a week. You play every day, especially if you're the starting shortstop. You're going to be playing every day, 162 games with random Mondays off, (laughs) as we talked about. Um, And you're, I mean, listen, a good batting average in baseball, a, a, a really good batting average in baseball is anything over 300. That means three times out of 10, you hit the damn ball. Like it's, it's the statistics are, you know, like. It's a game be, of failure. Yeah. It's, it's a total game of failure. You do well when you fail the least in the game. And when you fail the least, it's like statistically not a great score anyway. So um, I just hope that, you know, he's able to, Kind of push through that because he's he's a young guy, and I'm sure even his family, there the pressure of his family to be um, break into the majors too. I mean, everybody goes through that. I understand, but it's just a lot. Yeah, and well, again, I'm hoping we get to see him sooner than later uh, because that's just one of my concerns about like going all in on the young shortstops. It's just mm-hmm. this team is supposed to be in a prime to win now because of again, you have Aaron Judge who. That's a whole other conversation that we could have during the season about them signing Judge to an extension, which my guess is that's going to be after the season because the Yankees rarely ever sign anyone to an extension before their contract expires. So that's going to be my guess. And they probably want to see him stay healthy for another season, yeah. um, which is which is also fair. He did last season. Mm-hmm. They just want to make sure he can do it again before you commit to the guy. But, again, he will be you know, – he's 30 years old. He's not getting any you – know, not that he's on the old side, but – you want to strike now while the, the prime years are there. Um, and I think one of the other moves that I, I mean, I know it's been thrown out there a lot is with Oakland. That trade with Sean Manaya or Frankie Montes to upgrade the starting rotation. Cashman, you, you got to make that happen. You got to land one of those two. You can't be linked to all these players and just watch them all go by the board. If anything, I want to – Cashman's been great with a lot of trades. I know a lot of mm-hmm. fans who kind of give him a lot of crap, but listen, he's the one who – remember, he found Didi Gregorius, who was a light-hitting you know, defensive shortstop, who went on and was pretty damn good for the Yankees mm-hmm. during his time and hit his more than his share. He was a middle-of-the-order bat, you know, when he walked, when we let him go. Um, he found Luke Voigt. You know, he found Gio Rochella. He found DJ LeMahieu, which you had mentioned. The question is, where does he fit now? in the infield because he has to play somewhere and he should be playing every day. And this was the original plan that they had for him was to have him play different positions every single day. I don't particularly love that. That doesn't sound like that's great. I just, I have a feeling somebody's still going to get moved and prefer and probably in this, in an Oakland trade 
if it does happen, whether it's Glaber Torres, DJ doesn't make any sense to be going there because, again, he's 33 years old now. He, they have no need for him. I think Glaber might be the one to go, to tell you the truth. That's mm. going to be my guess. No, I know. I, I like the kid, too, but, I mean, I just – there's only so many positions. You know who it should be, be but nobody's going to want him. Should be Aaron Hicks. I mean, yeah – I mean, no one's taking him. I mean, we know I how know, that's going to go. Know. If only Gleyber Torres could play center field, then we, we would we go ahead and so tell that. We are so stuck with him. We are so stuck with him. Speaking of Gleyber Torres, I just want to shout him out because he and his wife are expecting a baby, oh, and wow. they didn't know if he could play in today's game, but apparently, um, I guess the doctor said she probably wouldn't give birth till at least tonight. So he came and showed up and played four innings uh, and, and did you know pretty well, and yes. now he's going to be a daddy. So congrats nice. to him and his wife. Congrats, Glaber. And I don't know his <laughs> wife's name off the top of my head. I can't Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Okay. Well, if they ever catch this, congratulations to them as well. Uh, anything before we, we wrap this thing up? Uh, yeah, I just want to say <laughs> that Michael K's kids got the chance to meet some of the players today. And wow. they showed when, when they met Giancarlo Stanton. And he was so adorable with them and trying to talk to them. And both of the kids just kept looking up at him and smiling. And his son, Charlie, <laughs> walked away and walked behind the mom. Charlie, man, you you wasted a prime opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wish that was me. Um, but it was cute to see him interacting with the kids. And um, I think they met Aaron Judge, too. And, and he said he was just speechless looking at Aaron Judge. So that's cute. I mean, they're monsters. It's them, like, looking at, like, wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they've never seen people this big, even though Michael K is pretty big on his own. He is, yeah. So, all right. So then it kind of pretty much wraps it up for us today in this episode. And there we go. We don't, we can't close it out without a little, little Frankie there. So thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. If you joined us on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or Twitter, wherever you found us. Always appreciate it. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to Pop Culture Bros on YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Join the Empire 161 Show group on Facebook and join the Pop Culture Bros Facebook page as well. Join the Daily Conversation where we share a bunch of news and stuff like that on a regular basis. That do not make the show. Um, and if you like what you heard here, go ahead and check out more Pop Culture Pros. If you're into comic books, you can check out Granny's Peach Tea on Wednesday nights. We'll be talking about the uh, award-winning Catwoman movie starring Halle Berry this week. Uh, you can check that out, one of our CW stuff. Uh, if you're into wrestling, you can check Tim and Eric out on the Just Too Sweet Show on Tuesday nights. Uh, if you're into James Bond, you can check out Double O Deep Dive on Monday nights. For myself and Jason, Ginny, we talk about various James Bond films. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, you're also, if anything from A to Z, you can check out Eric on Friday nights with the A to Z show. And like, if you're like Raul, who's actually a Mets fan who supports our show, check out Put It in the Books. You can check out Falachi and Rodriguez, and uh, they do a great job covering the Mets over there. So we'll be seeing you soon, probably right before opening day. Can't wait, can't wait for the next episode of Empire 161 show. Or if the Yankees make a big trade, we can go ahead and we'll jump on for a quick reaction for that. So, everyone, uh, enjoy your weekend. Have a good night. Lisa, thanks as always. And uh, let's go Yankees. That's right. Thanks. And welcome back.
Welcome back Welcome and back. see you soon. <laughs>